McMonagle coming at you here on this, what is it, Wednesday morning. That's right. I get my days confused. Get over it. I got you for three hours at 877-337-6666 to the warm-up show at 5. Fliegeman on the other side. And our normal, we'll be back to five hours tomorrow, but our normal or usual three hours tonight on the fan. 877-337-6666. Oh, what a rivalry it is. You know, what a rivalry it is, that Knicks-Nets boy. Woo! I tell you. You know, I, I got a lot of flack on Twitter yesterday downplaying the rivalry. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't tell me that this is any kind of rivalry when you watch the games and the Knicks go into that building and it's Madison Square Garden too. You got MVP chance for Brunson in the second quarter. It's not the first. Don't tell me, oh, it's at the end of the game. You know, the end of the game was exciting. The whole game, it sounds like they're at Madison Square Garden. The end of the game, it's you. I'm you can't have a rivalry. I hate to downplay it because it was a good win for the Knicks. They do what they do and beat a bad team. They're now 19 and 0 this year against bad teams, against teams under 500. 19 and 0, which is, a, you know, it's one of the signs of a good team beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And the Knicks are doing it at a perfect clip, which is about as much as you could ask. But when you go into this rivalry that we like to call it, and we get all hyped up, and yesterday I'm getting all kinds of flack that I'm downplaying the uh, the Nick Net thing. There is no Nick Net thing. It's fun. I saw I saw you know Evan at the game and Lugie's there, and it's fun. You get into it when you're there. Don't get me wrong. And plus, I love right now love watching the way the Knicks play basketball. But watching, I mean, watching the game, I thought they were at the Garden. I mean, the, the, down the stretch of an exciting basketball game that yet again, the Knicks get off to a, you know, a sloppy start. And the one thing, and we've talked about how the Ananubi trade has made this team complete in many ways and how it's improved almost everything. And for me, it's been a big part that it's improved it almost immediately. Like the second he came in that first game against Minnesota, it felt different right away. Everybody's everybody's role seemed to crystallize and be exactly what you needed to be. And the team took off, no doubt, where to the point now, again, what, what are they, they've won four in a row. They've been on a roll here. Again, 19-0 and against 500 teams or under, and they've been playing great. The one thing that's actually gotten worse is turnovers. Since the trade, they, are the wor- they, get, they have the most turnovers in the NBA, and they are sloppy at times, and they throw the ball away. It's almost like they know they can recover because that's the other part of this is their ability to come back in games, especially against teams, as we said. I know it's a broken record. I've said it three times in the first five minutes. Against teams under 500, their ability to come back, I never, ever. You know what? That's not fair. Going into the fourth quarter up nine, I wasn't concerned about this game. Down nine, excuse me, for the Knicks. I was never concerned about this game, especially the fact that they blew. Uh, they, they were outscored in the fourth quarter against the Clippers, the Nets, 41-15. to 15, 
and blew a fourth quarter lead. I mean, that's what the Nets have done this year. Uh, they've been awful. So at no point in that did I was I nervous going into the fourth quarter down nine because I felt like this is what the Knicks do. It's kind of what the Nets do. It's what the Knicks do. The Knicks beat bad teams. The Nets are a bad team. The Knicks come from behind against bad teams. The, Net, the Nets blow leads in the fourth quarter. So I had no doubt. There was one stretch where Ananubi, uh, OG went back and had two straight baskets, and the Nets responded both times to keep the lead at eight. And I thought, okay. I was maybe eight minutes left in the quarter, and I'm thinking, all right, this is the first time that it seems like the Knicks have, you know, duck, uh, you know, got into the lead a little bit, knocked it down to six twice, and the Nets responded both times. So I had a little bit of a, hey, maybe this is the Nets' night, but ultimately, never really was that worried about the game. The Knicks, a sloppy start to the game, but end up coming down the stretch, and here we go again. Look at the box score. Who's got thirty? Brunson and Randall. These guys are carrying the team. They're doing an incredible job. Randall down the stretch. And it, you know, it wasn't just them because we talked about the depth of this team, which still, as you know, the Heat add Rogier, uh, and there's uh, you know, it's time to make a move for the for the Knicks. You look at the depth of this team, and we talked about the 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 guard position and how they need someone to come in and be that offense and run that second unit. And to me, that is still the need. For me, that's the need watching this team. They said it on the broadcast. Like it's if you don't have if Brunson or Randall or or both are off the court, you know, yeah, DiVincenzo's shooting the ball really well. Yes, uh, you know, OG showed and has showed at times here since the trade. He can get to the basket, he can shoot the corner three, but he's not the go-to get a basket guy. The Knicks don't have that guy to go get a basket. DiVincenzo can shoot, but he needs to be set up by his teammates. Uh, and uh, OG can get to the basket, but I wouldn't call him a scorer necessarily. He's, uh, you know, he could do it at times and he can hit the corner three, but I don't look at him as someone where the offense can run through him as a focal point and score the basket. And I don't see either Grimes or McBride being that guy, even though, you know, McBride was a little bit more efficient in this game than he's been the last couple. But they need that guy because. To me, even though the depth at the at uh, at center and the five and the you know the the rim defender, we actually saw you know Sims step up earlier in this game, and you know he was the one in the first quarter kind of holding it together. He had he had four blocks in this game. He had a couple of putbacks. You know he played pretty well. And then you get to uh, Achua. Achua has nine rebounds in this game coming off the bench. Like he had moments in, in that fourth quarter where you know he was integral to to getting back into that game and end up winning the game. I mean, they they do have some depth there. Plus, I don't know how long the the Hartenstein injury is going to have him sidelined for. He's clearly a player that has emerged since Mitchell Robinson went down, and you're kind of expecting Mitchell Robinson to come back. So for me, you definitely need the Knicks as you watch it. And yes, they beat 19 19 and 0 against under 500 teams. But that means that they are eight and seventeen against teams over five hundred. Eight and seventeen, and that's where we're going to find out about this team. They have proven that they can beat the teams that they should beat. They prove and have proven, especially since this trade, that they are one of the clear-cut best teams in the Eastern Conference. That they are going to be a playoff team, not a play-in team, and they are going to be a top five, top six for sure, seed in this conference, and they are a legitimate threat. I think they need the depth, but they've proven that. Can they beat the better teams in this conference? And now Miami's gotten better, and they have Denver and Miami over the next two nights. 
over the next two games, excuse me, Thursday and Saturday. This is going to be the test for the Knicks because we know what they can do. And what they can do is dominate in that team. And what they can do is make plays like they did, and Brunson's calling it the play of the year, where in the fourth quarter, game on the line, even with the uh, with uh, being depleted with Hardenstein and, and, and you know out of the lineup and dealing with Achua and dealing with uh, you know Sims playing major minutes in this game, but they have multiple blocks at the rim. Uh, Hart makes the the lead pass to to Randall, who throws it to Brunson, back to Randall for the dunk, which kind of solidified winning this game, and it was a a, a huge play. Brunson called it the play of the year so far in a game where, listen, you want to win against the Nets. I'm not saying you don't want to win. I'm just saying if you look at this rivalry, right, it's for a long stretch. I guess it was a bit of a rivalry when the when the if the Nets are really good and dangerous, maybe. But if the Nets are the team they are now, like when the Nets had the big three and they're really a bigger story nationally than they even are locally, which is very rare. I remember going through it thinking, I don't know how many times we have had a team in this city that is a bigger deal nationally than it is locally. And that's kind of what it was with the Nets. I mean, they were talked about more on ESPN and like they were the team, almost the biggest team in the NBA and certainly more you know big and popular than the Knicks. But then you would listen to the fan or you would watch SNY or you would be here in New York and the Knicks were still the story but nationally, ESPN-wise, Woj, Stephen A. Smith, you know, they're talking about the Nets and those three. So maybe for a brief moment, but it's kind of also been a rivalry that's dominated by stretches. It's almost like uh, the 1970s and 80s uh, MLB All-Star game, where it's like a long stretch. It's like nine straight games, the Nets win. Now it's uh, four straight games, the Knicks win. Like, it's very rarely back and forth. It always seems to be one team's clearly better than the other, but you watched that game last night. I'm sorry. I don't want to downplay that. Like, and that's, that's a Nick game last night. I, Evan was the only – I mean, it's, it's 50-50 at best in the crowd last night. And it was awesome to watch as a Knicks fan. It was, watch the, it was awesome to have them come back into this game. But still the same issues that I have – or the same concerns, should I say, that I have about the Knicks, nothing changed my mind in this game because they did what they do. The negative, they're sloppy and get off to slow starts. The positives, they have Brunson and Randall who drop 30 almost every night and carry the team and come through in every big moment that they need to. They beat bad teams, and they come back in the fourth quarter and, and are never out of a game, especially against teams they're better than. This is what happens. The depth steps up, plays well. They're coached extremely well. The guys, you know, Achua and Sims and guys like that who need to step up, step up, make the play here or there, get the rebound. Achua is actually the best plus minus on the, the court last night. He's a plus 13. That's the best on the Knicks. I mean, they do what they do. And right now, every single, every single piece fits. And they're just missing a couple. They need a couple role players. And I, I, I believe that obviously they have some weapons and they, uh, they have some pieces to go out and get it. I mean, Lowry is a buyout option. That's a, a name that has been uh, bandied about. That could be a, an option for the Knicks. And, uh, and apparently, uh, you know, there's a chance the Knicks, they still have one of their two exe uh, exemptions or whatever it's called. So they could actually give more money than a lot of teams in the NBA for buyouts. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know if, I, if, if that makes sense to me. I'd much rather go out and trade for Brogdon. Uh, even Jackson from Utah, like different guys like that, that could come in and be this that leader of the second unit. But that's clearly what they need. So last night was a great win. They continue to do what they do. They do it better than almost any team in the NBA. They're undefeated against teams they should be better than. And that's what good teams do. But ultimately, they're going to get tested as the season goes along. And then as they hit the playoffs, clearly, as, you know, 
we're we're obviously seeing the the Bucks fire their head coach. It looks like they're going to hire Doc Rivers, so that should help the Knicks in the postseason because God knows Doc Rivers in the postseason is an absolute disaster. So that should help the Bucks lose a series, and although that's not official. But the Heat just got better. We know what the Celtics are. We know what Embiid is scoring 70 points last last night uh, or the other night. And tell me again, remember when, when the rumors were swirling around Embiid becoming a Nick and, and nobody wanted it? And I was the only guy going, listen, I don't love it, but geez, if you can get a superstar, you got to get it. No, nobody, it wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good fit. I would think 70 points from Embiid would look pretty good on the Knicks right now. But you know how good Philadelphia is, and you know what they're going to be. They're going to be tested, and they're not going to be able to ride Brunson and Randall every single game. You can't have you can't have games like this over and over again where you need thirty from both of them to beat the Nets. Like that, it has to be easier than this. Now again, it's been easy at times. They've had their blowouts, and still, I mean, it's amazing to me that you know they they're up twenty five points against Toronto the other night, and and Randall still on, and and Brunson still on the court with four minutes left, and uh, with two minutes left, like th- we they have to be able to find baskets when those guys are off the court. They have to be able to beat a lousy Nets team, beat a lousy Toronto team, beat some of the lesser teams, which they're doing you know, extremely well, but they've got to figure out a way to do it without needing all the minutes, without needing 37 minutes from Randall, without needing 36 minutes from Brunson, and without needing 30 points from both of them. They have to find a way, and as the trade deadline looms, they have to figure out a way to get that second leader of that second, that, that leader of that second unit, and figure out who can they go to to get a basket and to facilitate the other guys who can get baskets, but they can't do it on their own. And I just, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I would love to give them more time, but I'm looking to actually win with the Knicks. I would love to see, you know, if, if, if McBride can be that guy, but I just don't see it. And we need, like, this is not a year you just go, oh, a developmental year for McBride, for Deuce. Like, you got, this is a year the Knicks can go win. So that's number one. And as you move past these, you know, bad teams you're going to beat, and now you've got real tests on Thursday night and on Saturday night against Denver and Miami, we'll see who the Knicks are. But right now it is fun to watch. They are clearly one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Watching them play basketball is a joy, which is something we haven't been able to say for a long time. They fit together perfectly. Guys step up. They're never out of games. You know, Brunson and Randall are are getting MVP chants in opposing arenas. Like, it is just, it's about as good as it could possibly be to be a Knicks fan right now. It is as good as it can possibly be. And, you know, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. And they are, and everything is, it fits like a glove, this team. And they're all just, you know, they're past. And we, we I, as I'm watching Woj right now on the TV, and if you heard him yesterday, the Knicks are past moving on, trying to get a big time player. Like, you're, you're not getting him. Just forget about it. Mitchell's not coming here. You know, it's just not going to happen. They are looking for role players to solidify this team. And they have enough. They have the Fournier exp- uh, contract, expiring contract. They have some pieces. They could still make a move for a Brogdon or a player like that, bring him in here, lead that second team, and still be able to go big game hunting in the offseason. It's not for this season. It's for next season. But they still can make that move to solidify this team, and that's what they have to do. 
They absolutely have to do it. And they have to get cleaner with the basketball. That's the one thing since the OG trade. They lead the NBA in turnovers since the OG trade. They have to get cleaner with the basketball so they don't have to have these come-from-behind wins. But, I mean, you watched the excitement this team brings and the way they were able to close out this game. And what they were, they missed one foul shot on the night. They shot 35%, 34% from the three-point line. And, and you know, Brunson was the real. Brunson, two for, two for seven. Steven Chinzo didn't have a great night, three for eight. But they get re- Achua gets nine rebounds from the bench. I mean, guys step up. Guys step up. They never out of the game, come from behind. Role players know their role. The team fits like a glove. They need that second scorer so that the story of this season isn't 19-0 against bad teams. It's how well they play against good teams. 877-337-6666. And, yeah, I'm sorry. It's no rivalry. There is no rivalry. What other, where would you, where could you, I, I'm, I, I don't care. I guess if, if you're talking about the end of September and the Yankees have 100 wins and the Mets are out of it, maybe, maybe City Field would sound a little bit like that or even vice versa, maybe at the end of a long baseball season, halfway through a season, what other rivalry in this town can you go to and hear the opposing building in that much of the favor of the road team? I mean, let's be honest. I'm sorry. That's the, the epitome of a rivalry is the fan base. It's not there. That building was a Nick show last night. That was a Nick game. And everybody left happy, except Evan Roberts. 877-337-6666. So let's talk some Knicks. We'll get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And you know, if you've listened to me over the last week or so, I have a major gripe with the Hall of Fame. And the more I think about it, a player that got in is less deserving than a player that went home and is off the ballot. So we'll get to that. The Rangers blow a two-goal lead in the third period. That pissed me off as I was watching the game. They lose in overtime. And they're they're starting to make me nervous, too, about it. You want to talk about a winning team, a first-place team, a team that we all thought was going to be the next team to bring us a championship. Starting to get a little worried about the Rangers. They blow a two-goal lead, give up a point, lose in overtime. Made me angry. So we'll get to that. The w, uh, WWE, my secondary favorite subject besides sports these days, made big news. We'll get to all of it. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. So, yeah, that for me, that game last night... Knicks Nets puts an end to the... I never want to hear the question again. No self-respecting reporter should ever ask the question of a of a player. We should never have anybody on the station and ask them the question. Honestly, and no fan should ever call up and ask the question again about the rivalry of the Knicks and Nets. There is no rivalry. There is no... And that, does it matter? No. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. We have enough. But... And it's about winning. And the idea that you know any Nick fan is is beating his chest saying we run the city. <laughs> okay, I mean you knew that before you played the game. We knew that before the season started. We knew it before the Nets moved to Brooklyn, and the and after they moved to Brooklyn. Well, let's be honest. It's I was just talking to Fleeks about it. There is I've never like did, did you watch that game last night and hear the crowd? There is no other road building in this city that would embrace the other team the way that that was a Nick game. 
Now, the, when the Nets did something, there was some sound too. But, I mean, there was the amount of cheering for the Knicks. MVP chance in the opposite building. We're at the halfway point. This is not the end of the year. I mean, every, the, the Nets, I mean, as bad as they are and as unlikely as they are to even make a play, uh, play in, I mean, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. I mean, what a, in, that's embarrassing. So I don't care. I don't care. And this isn't even to knock the Nets or their fans. I'm just tired of the talk about it being a rivalry. It's not. We have enough rivalries in this city. I thought this year for the first time, despite both teams being bad, with everything surrounding it, there was some juice to the, to the Giants and Jets rivalry, at least at the start of the year before they were miserable by the time the game was played. I don't think there's that much of a rivalry, rivalry there. But they share a building. And there would never be that kind of enthusiasm for the Jets or Giants if the other team was the home team. And they share a building. I mean, I I, I just I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then I watched bad basketball. I watched, you know, a, a poorly played first half. And then the Knicks do what they do and beat bad teams. But man, MVP chance in the first half of a game the Nets are winning. For a lot of that first half, MVP chance for Brunson. And then the excitement of the crowd at the end of that game, that's it. I'm sorry. I never want to hear the question again. I never want to have to hear Randall go, well, you know, he's a, I'm so much a rival. You know, yeah, no, no, no crap. There is literally zero juice to this rivalry. Zero. So for all of you guys on Twitter who are knocking me for downplaying the rivalry, did you watch that game? That was a basketball game. That was it. That was a Nick. That was a Nick game last night against a bad team that they went nineteen and zero against now. And after blowing what was it a twenty-two point lead, getting outscored forty-one to fifteen in the fourth quarter the other night against the Clippers, who again have hit their stride, just beat the LeBronless Knicks. Uh, the LeBronless Knicks, yeah. They have been LeBronless. The LeBronless Lakers last night, uh, last night as well. They're they're rolling. Their big three have got it going. But still, to be outscored forty-one to fifteen, this team is 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 absolutely nosediving. And I heard Jerry saying a lot uh, yesterday morning, and he's one hundred percent right. You know, both of these teams were thirteen and ten at one point, and the Nets were kind of this overachieving good story where it was like, hey, we don't need the superstars, hey. We've got a bunch of guys who get after it. Oh, it's finally refreshing. Oh, it's so refreshing to watch this net team play. I'm so glad all those those crybaby uh, those crybaby superstars wanted to get the hell out of here. Those hired guns. Thank God they're gone, and we can get back to playing real basketball. And Sean Marks, he's the best at building this kind. What other GM would you want in basketball to rebuild this thing? What an incredible job already having this team. And Jacques Vaughn, what a head coach. Oh, man. Can you believe it? We've come back all the way. Third, we're, we're right there in the middle of this Eastern Conference. It's fun watching the Nets play. They're the kind of basketball team you can get behind, kind of basketball team you can support. And then... Five weeks later, you let the entire Nick fandom in, in, you know, in, engulf your stadium and have MVP chance for Bre You know why? Because it's about winning, guys. And you know who win? Superstars. And that's why, just to get off onto a little rant here about how the Durant move was 100% the right move. Bringing Durant and Kyrie here was 100% the right decision. 
even though it failed. You've got to take the chance because, oh, what a nice little team the Nets have lasted about two weeks. It lasted about two weeks. You have to, if you, if superstars want to come play here, which is what the Knicks are trying to do. I mean, how many years have we talked about nobody wants to come to the Garden? I'm so tired of, you know, everybody having their best game at Madison Square Garden, calling it the Mecca as they leave scoring 45, as they leave getting double nickel. That's that, that, oh, yeah, though this place is the Mecca. I'd never, you know, play here. That's, you know, lovely place to visit. Cali, exquisite, great place to visit. But I don't, I'm not going to go attach my wagon to that franchise. For years, that's been the case. Whether that's the losing, which I think is the main thing, uh, the instability, the owner, the owner's reputation, the owner's, uh, inability to have real a, a stable uh, guy at the at the helm of the ba- basketball operations, whatever it's been for years. I mean, we praise Mello and even Stottlemyre, who really got the ball rolling, is the first guy willing to come here as a you know a legitimate top player in the NBA and come here and take on the challenge of being a Nick. I mean, we l- we'll love those guys forever on some level. Yeah, I know we hated some aspects of the way Carmelo played basketball and he ruined Linsanity and he never really won anything. But, I mean, we embrace him, at least I do, because he wanted to be here. Now, he wanted to be here on his his terms. He wanted to get traded here and then sign the contract and make the most money he could make. That is true. But he still wanted to be a Nick. And that's what you're trying to build. You're trying to build what the Nets had a couple years ago with Kenny Atkinson and that group where guys like Kevin Durant, you know, peeked over the curtain and said, well, look, um, we're looking to go somewhere. Why not there? Look how they play basketball. And right now, I, you know, again, I don't think it's for this season. I don't think the Knicks are out there looking to get a, a, a big time player. I don't know if he's available. I don't know if they would do it. In fact, I don't think they would. I don't see that in the offing right now, but it it could be in the offing in the winter, it, or you know, in the off season. It could be in the offing, you know, hopefully after this year is over. And if so, right now, as you watch this team, I think they're making one hell of a case to want to come be a Nick. I mean, you see the excitement around the franchise. Even on road games, they're getting MVP chance. The team is winning. It's playing good, hard fought basketball everybody's stepping up the role players know their roles and they've got some role players here that a superstar could certainly play with they got the spot-up shooters they got the perimeter defenders they got some size with mitchell robinson and hartenstein they've you know they've got some pieces although you know teams are always changing and they would have to lose some of these assets to acquire said player but like it's it's this is a good destination for the first time in forever and while playing the waiting game for a superstar has been ultimately unsuccessful for the Knicks and, you know, maybe even part of their downfall, it's still the best way to win a championship. Because despite the idea that, you know, let's let, you know, Giannis in Milwaukee, for example, has only has won the one championship. And right now being second place in the Eastern Conference isn't good enough for him. And, you know, his coach that he kind of brought here is now on his way out because it didn't work. And sometimes the power that that player has can cause an instability inside an organization, which clearly we saw with the Nets 
and you know the big three here. But all it takes is one. He's going to get his way. If he goes to management and says, listen, I, I know we're playing okay. We're second in the East. It's not working for me. Bye. So I understand that. But at the same time, that's how you win. You don't win without them. It's very rare. And that's why I'm I'm pumped about the Knicks. And I, I feel like maybe inside this Eastern Conference, especially if Doc Rivers is the next head coach of Milwaukee, maybe there is a chance they can get through this Eastern Conference. Maybe there is a chance they could figure out a way to play good enough to beat the Celtics, to beat the, the Bucks, and get to an NBA Finals. Maybe there is a way to get through and beat in his 70 points and, and scoring at an unbelievable clip on a nightly basis. Maybe there is a way. And I sure hope so, but it's going to come at the result of getting another role player on this team, and they desperately need it. But ultimately, it's going to be very difficult to win unless Brunson and Randall take their games where it is right now and even step it up a little bit. And, you know, Brunson, who did in the playoffs last year, has to be accompanied by Randall. And that's why you watch these games, you watch this team. He's... He's he's the he's the crux. He's where he, he's where they rise or fall. If Randall is going to play the way he's played over the last month, then maybe there's a chance. If he's going to play the way he has in the last couple of playoff series, then there's no chance. Because you watch the team right now. Let's be honest. They need 30 points from each of them to beat the Nets. To beat the Nets. What are they going to have to do? What heroics have to come to beat the Celtics? So let's go, Nick fans. 877-337-6666. You tell me. How are you feeling watching that game? Have you have we ever experienced it like that? I don't know. I'm trying to think back. I'm trying to think back through the years. Has I'm sure Brooklyn has sounded like that before. But over the last few years, it's been with Durant, so it hasn't felt like that. The Knicks haven't been really this good or had this kind of feeling around the team in a long time. But I'm sorry. That's an embarrassment. That's an embarrassment. That's an embarrassment. I, 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 you know, I wish it was a reasonable time in the morning. I'd call Evan and tell him I'm embarrassed for you. I'd love to hear what he had to say. I'm sure he'll tell you. I'm sure tomorrow they'll talk about it, how embarrassing that was. To, to have the crowd sound like that for, for a net game as the Knicks are going down the court. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they gave you a lot to cheer for. Uh, and guys stepped up, and they played really well in this game. But, you know, 19-0, and that's a nice stat, and they can put it up on the screen, and then the broadcasters can talk about it. Sounds great. Wow, 19-0 and against under 500 teams. Never once did they get slipped up. Yeah, but if you look at their record, that means they're 8-17 and against quality teams, against teams over 500. And for the most part, that was before the OG trade, and they're a different bunch. But they blew a game to Orlando. Like, they still, they still have a lot to prove. And these next two games against Denver tomorrow night and Miami on Saturday are big games for the Knicks are big games for the Knicks because, you know, it's one thing to steamroll. Now, look, they beat – this whole thing started with a win against Minnesota. They absolutely demolished Philadelphia. They've had some signature victories along the way since this trade and the new version of the New York Knicks. But 
But most of this has been made on the back of beating bad teams. And they've got two, right? They step up against Dallas. Without Dirk, they lose. Orlando, they have the lead. Eight minutes in the fourth quarter, they lose. Now, you could chalk it up to, you know, a a bad game here or there. Uh, Kyrie shooting the lights out. Fine. It's fine. They're still in a good position. They're playing good basketball. It was immediately accompanied by good basketball and victories. They were it, it, losing streaks have not found this team very easily. And that's a positive. And being this good against bad teams should solidify that and eliminate losing streaks. But ultimately, especially Miami, who knocked them out of the playoffs last year, just added Rogier. That's a game that's a good mile mark and a good tester a little over halfway through the season for the New York Knicks. So we look forward to Saturday. We look forward to tomorrow against Denver. And we look forward to this Nick team doing damage because they're dudes and dogs. 877-337-6666. Other things to discuss. We'll get to the football games. I didn't even mention that. We'll get to the football games as we go through the week getting ready for championship Sunday. And you know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. I did a lot of that yesterday. But there are correlations to take from this playoff team. And I heard Evan today compare the Jets and the Buccaneers and talking about how they should follow the Buccaneer model. I think there's a lot of connections between the Bucs and the Giants and their quarterback situation. So maybe we'll get to that. And then I was listening also to Boone today, who was on the fan with Evan and Tiki. Something Aaron Boone said that really got me thinking. We'll get to that as well. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on the fan. Let's go, Nick fans. Let's go. Tell me how much you enjoyed watching, you know, a uh, a Nick home game in Brooklyn. It was fun. I I enjoyed it. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Play fake. Jones rolls left. Rolls left. Wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Oh, yeah, 245. How are we doing on this Wednesday morning? 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you till 5 o'clock. We've opened it up with the Knicks as they beat the Nets. Uh, in a come-from-behind fashion, 108 to 103. Not, not many people say 108. It's usually just 108. But, you know, I'll be a little bit more precise with it. Why not? Um. Uh, all right, let's get to the phone calls. 877-337-6666. Uh, Giannis in Atlanta. What's up, man? How are you? You're on the fan. Hey, man. Doing pretty good. Long time. Thank you. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. Just wanted to talk about the Knicks for a second here. It was a great win tonight. Uh, the only concern is that I have with them, though, is with the way the roster is, uh, I think his is, is basically running. He's basically running uh, Julius and Rick, Julius Randall and Watson too much. Like, you know, if you watch the minutes that they're playing, man, I'm afraid he's going to run into the ground. So they yeah. need to get a trade. Something needs to happen real quick. 
Yeah, no, I, I mentioned it. I agree with you. Uh, they they're playing a ton of minutes, even in blo- even in games that they have in hand. If if like the, the Toronto game, Grimes was you know had a couple of turnovers and Brunson back into the game, and it's and then he's playing until ninety seconds left, and they're up twenty six points. Like that that that's been a bugaboo of Thibodeau for a long time. Uh, going back to Rose in Chicago, back in his days as the Bulls head coach, there was complaints of it in, in his time with the Timberwolves. Like that, that has been an issue and something we've discussed. You know, as Tibbs has been the head coach of the Knicks for a long time, running his guys into the ground. And in some ways, it was a you know when when they had that first real good year during COVID, and you know Randall was incredible doing it by himself, and then they lose to Atlanta in the in, in the playoffs. But that year, that was kind of the year where. I remember load management really becoming an issue. Uh, yeah. I guess it's been for a while, but it was almost refreshing. It was like the Knicks. The Knicks are having this great year. They're the four seed in the Eastern Conference, and they're doing it on the backs of their best player, who plays every single night, who plays 38 minutes a game, who like you know, and and they're doing the opposite of what the rest of the NBA is doing, and it's benefiting them. And I and it felt like that at the time, but now that they are better, they're more well-rounded. They've added the uh, OG Anunoby trade that's made them a little bit better. They have to figure out a way to bolster this lineup with other role players so that Brunson and Randall do not have to be out there and have to score 30 points each and play 37 minutes each to beat the lousy Nets. Like that, there has to be some kind of way to get offense in that second unit without Brunson and Randall on the floor. And right now they don't have anyone who can facilitate the offense, really. They don't have anyone who can score without having someone who can facilitate them. Like, you know, DiVincenzo can score, but I don't. he can't do it by himself. Like, OG has some, has some offensive skills, but he can't generate his own shot for the most part. He can get to the basket a little bit. But, like, right now they need someone. And, and you know, Grimes has had his moments. There's a little too much dribble in Grimes' game for me. Like, he doesn't... And Grimes is having an issue with, it looks like Grimes is having an issue with Tips right now, too. Yes. So the rumor that's going around is he's not going to be lasting around long because he's not happy with his role. Right. I'm sorry. I meant, I meant, I meant Deuce with the dribble. I, I apologize. But Grimes is showing. Oh. But you're right. Grimes has been in the doghouse uh, with with uh, the, the head coach. And rumor is it goes back to even him being un, unwilling to play through, through some pain and some injury in the postseason last year. Uh, and, and Tibbs does strike me as the guy. Again, I don't know him personally, but he strikes me as the guy who once you're in that doghouse, it's it's really difficult it's to, to work. Out. It's it's really it's difficult to work your way out of it. And yeah. listen, I don't, and I again, but that's a guy. He he's a spot up shooter. That's it. Like even Durant said it when they played the Suns. He's like, you know, the idea that we allowed, you know, uh, that they allowed um, Grimes to get that many shots off from behind the arc. He was pissed off about it because he doesn't generate his own shots. That means you're leaving guys open. If Grimes is gonna Grimes is gonna hit open shots. So if Grimes beats you, if Grimes hurts you in a game, it's because your defense wasn't good enough and you were allowing open three-pointers. So that's you learn that from Durant in the postgame against the Suns. Like, he's, he can't generate his own shot, and he's not good enough to facilitate the offense. Same thing with McBride. I just don't see it. So they need someone legit. And, that like, they lost quickly, and they, they need to replace that role. And there are guys out there, and they still have, like, they have enough. They have enough picks. They have the Evan Fournier, who we actually got to see. Which did he play against Toronto? Which game? We saw we saw Fournier one of the games over the last two or three games. I was shocked to see him hit the court. Haven't seen him in over a year. It feels like, but like they have Fournier's expiring contract. They do have some picks. Like they have enough where they could make a trade for a Brogdon, or they can make a trade for someone like that, and still have pieces in the offseason to go get that superstar. It doesn't necessarily take them out of the big game well, hunting the in the offseason. I mean, you're going to have picks in the offseason 
But if you do trade uh, Fournier in the offseason, like, what else are you going to have to trade something else? Dude, like, his contract is well, that, yeah, right now. Well, his contract's yeah. done. I don't think they they have to trade him, I, I, as far as I understand. Like, I, it's an aspiring They have to trade him now. I would, they're going to well, hopefully actually, he's, he's part of it. Because it, it is a team option. Okay. So what if, they, if they're not able to trade him, they could pick up the option and trade him next year. Okay. So that is an option if they can't get the right trade this year, but they need to do something because the way the, the roster is right now, they're going to break down in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. I, I'm looking to move him for a role player. I totally agree. And thank you for the call, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. They need to go get that. They need to go get. The, I, I I was concerned about the the five and some of the size and the rim protection, especially now we don't know what Hardenstein uh, injury is. I guess it sounds a little bit better than what we maybe had feared. He did miss this game. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm especially missing this game knowing Denver and Miami are around the corner. It made sense. Hopefully he plays. If not, I, you know, I feel a little bit better because of what he brings you, Hartenstein, which is, you know, a lot. I mean, I've been very impressed with him. His, 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 his rim protection, his rebounding, and even some of his offensive game is, is better than Mitchell Robinson um, in some ways. Uh, but... I feel better, like, Sims stepping in for Hartenstein because he's not the superstar of the team. He brings what he brings, and it's valuable, and it's important, and I don't want to lose him for a long period of time. But, like, over the course of a game or over the course of a, of a couple games if you're missing him, like, right now, you know, you could bring in a Chua who got nine rebounds off the bench. He got nine rebounds in 20 minutes. I mean, if you if you can get that kind of production, he's a plus, he's a plus thirteen in the game, with six points and some you know and plays down the stretch. If you can get like this kind of production out of Sims and Achua, which I think is easier to get than the production you're looking for from Grimes and and Deuce when 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 Brunson's off the floor. Like it's easier to fill that five for me because you could also I mean I know the coach said it I don't know if I love it. But you could move OG there for a, a, a time. You can move uh, Randall there for a time. But I feel like that's an easier thing, especially in today's NBA. I feel like that's a, an easier thing to have your, your the guys you have currently step up and take over that role. Plus, you know eventually, and I think the team is good enough right now to get there in the postseason, you know, or at least you, you think, considering uh, they lost their insurance case uh, for, for Mitchell, and um, you expect him to come back, like you might get Mitchell Robinson back come playoff time. And if you have him back now, the depth is not an issue at that position. I still think you would have to go with you would have to go with uh, Hardenstein as your starter. Like I don't think you could take it away from him. I know the old adage of not losing your role to not losing your place to injury, but he's been really good. And we'll see where that goes. There's time for that. Yeah, that's 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 in the future, but. At least on the horizon, you have an idea of getting that other piece there. I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition or not, but it sounds like they expect him back. So if he's coming back, I'm less concerned about filling that role. They need the secondary point guard, the secondary leader of that second team, someone who can score, someone who can facilitate these other guys from scoring. They need that leader of the second unit bad. Brogdon's a perfect fit. There's other guys out there there are fits. 
uh, again, I heard uh, in two different places, you know, the buyout of Lowry. I don't, I, I mean, he, he seems pretty old and washed to me. Uh, would not be my first choice. I'd rather, I know that's just money and you could save some of these pieces, but you could save a pick. I'd rather go out and get the better player. I'm trying to win now. I'm trying to take my chances at actually winning. I'm trying to like, let's get to an Eastern Conference Finals. Like, let's let's do that. It's, let's let's get the Knicks there, and and I really feel they need that pick. They need that piece to get there, and they need the best available of that piece to get there. So go, go make a trade. Go get Brogdon. Go get uh, you know, I don't know, Jackson out of out of Utah. Go get one of these guys who can come in and be that player for the Knicks. And as I said many times. For the first time in a while, I trust the Knicks to do that. Like I trust the Knicks. This OG trade has completely... I have warm and fuzzy feelings about the Knicks and Leon Rose and Thibodeau right now about acquiring acquisitions and about acquiring players because like, they knew they needed this guy. Like The fan base hated this. The fan base hated the trade initially. But... Clear as day, he fits the team like a glove. So they knew they needed him. He stepped right in, and Thibodeau knew exactly how to make it work. I mean, from day one, from the second he stepped on the court. So I, I have a good feeling of them understanding what they need. And I'm hoping it's not Lowry. I'm hoping it's someone else. I'm hoping it's a trade. I'm hoping they get it done because they need it. Because this team is presently constituted, needs to ride Brunson and Randall just to get there. And I'm afraid they'll be exhausted by the end. And what we've seen from Randall in the postseason, whether it's his body breaking down, I know an ankle injury is a fluke thing, but whether it's an injury that might get caused by fatigue, whether it's just being exhausted by the end of the year, having to carry the team and play 38 minutes a game and score 30 points a game to to win all these games against under 500 teams, like one way or another, something's going to have to give. And you're going to have to rely more on, on Grimes and McBride, or you're going to have to get people in there you feel better about and do the, who do the job better. One way or the other. 877-337-6666. All right, almost one hour down. Uh, we got a lot to get to. We'll get to some baseball again. I found one particular thing from the interview today with Aaron Boone, as we'll transition to baseball here, that particularly piqued my interest. And it's about one of our favorite players. So we'll get to that. And then uh, the Hall of Fame. And let me tell you right now, just real quick, before we get into it in the, in the next hour, I'll tease it a little bit here. I've talked about it. I'm disappointed in the idea that Gary Sheffield has come and went and is now off the ballot and is not a Hall of Famer. He got 63% or something like that of the vote. He fell over 10% shy of being a Hall of Famer, and it makes no sense to me. And I, I, this is a guy, in my opinion, yes. If you get into the steroid conversation, yes. The guy had admitted, Gary Sheffield admitted on television to taking the clear, or excuse me, the cream, I think, which is an ointment he rubbed on his knee. Now, he was probably aware of, of, of it being more than just Neosporin, but I, as far as I know... He's never failed a test, and someone gave him something, and he rubbed it on his knee. Now, is that am I being nitpicky? Yeah, I guess. I, I'm still the same one. I think A. Rod, Bonds, Clemens. I think the great players all belong in the the Hall of Fame. I think they should put up the the wing of the Hall of Fame and put everybody from Ken Griffey Jr. and Derek Jeter 
to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens under this and put it on every single plaque or put it in a wing that has this on the uh, on the on the front door when you walk through every this player played under the suspicion of the steroid era that's what i would put up there for every single one from from guys we'd never suspect like Ken Griffey and Chipper Jones and and uh, you know whoever Derek Jeter clearly or the guys we pretty much know have done it i don't care all of them should be in there. You can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. They're Hall of Famers. But Gary Sheffield, whether he took steroids or not, and for me, it's a little bit lesser than, say, the Alex Rodriguez's of the world, the Barry Bonds of the world. He was the most feared hitter. And I'll tell you something right now. He's better than the player who got in on the first year and had the most votes this season. He's better. And he's going home.